Spain, but without the S. That's exactly how I'm feeling right now. Disappointment is immeasurable. Day absolutely ruined. But hey, I'm Natter and welcome to the Sleeper Wire Show. We are on championship weekend with many of you hopefully joining, celebrating your championship run. And hopefully after this episode, we'll help you get that trophy. But of course, I am followed by the number one Australian analyst, Sheehan. How are you doing over there? I'm good, man. For a, uh, a Wednesday, it's uh-huh. sort of uh, it's sort of a Monday. First day back at work for me from Christmas. So I woke up this morning with the news that John Madden had passed away. So it's it's pretty sad. I'm sure we'll get to I'm sure we'll get to Madden a little bit later. I uh, logged on to work and logged in to to check the social medias as part of my job and was confronted by a picture of an enormous shit in a urinal that someone had done, uh, nice. which is qu- quite the way to wake up. Nice, uh, but nice. nothing can bring me down off uh, off cloud nine because not only did I add two rings to my collection this weekend, Ooh. I made the final, the playoff, the big dance in every one of my leagues uh, in which I was in the semifinals. So very, very pleased. I have um, a, a dynasty league up for, for grabs and a couple of redrafts. So very exciting. I'm incredibly proud of you because you had the exact opposite luck of me. Like I mentioned a couple episodes before, I made playoffs in eight of my 10 leagues. I am in the championship in one of them. Oh, that's that's heartbreak. You just got to get there, though. Yeah. If you, you get there, anything can happen. Exactly. But I mean, you know, all of those, I was in second, third, fourth places. I, you know, It was high, high on the leaderboard. So I definitely expected a lot of, I expected big things out of my team. And, you know, of course, Eckler going out with COVID. I had a lot of shares of him. Of course, Swift, he's out. I had a lot of Swift shares. Um, James Robinson going out mid-game. Nah, Miles uh, Miles Sanders going out mid-game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going out mid There was a lot of injuries on my teams. Um, and because I have such heavy shares of those players, if one goes out, um, it's going to definitely drastically change my team and the course of my team and my ability to, of course, win those weeks. So, you know, it's a little unfortunate. And it was kind of disappointing at the same time. Uh, hopefully I could win that one league and I can call it a day, call it a, hey, you know what? It was a successful season, nevertheless. But of course, on this episode, one, we're going to go over back on our not top tens and see who was correct or who had a better shot at or who was the closest. Because I know, as I recall back to our list, we had a couple people on there that did get struck with COVID. Well, before the final few days until the game started. So I know there has to be some altering done there, but I'll kind of want to, we'll have some fun. We'll banter with each other a little bit on who got closer. And then of course, I wanted to talk about on this episode's the, the what ifs, the coulda, shoulda, wouldas that we could have done during the season, during the pre-draft process, during everything that we could have done, should have done, would have done in the next years that we could do to really improve ourselves in fantasy wise and i think that's really good to look back at previous mistakes look back at previous successes most most more importantly and see how can we continually replicate this type of success what can we do to stop the failures other than injuries and stupid stuff like COVID happening there's nothing we can do about that um, that we can do to put ourselves in a better success uh, better position to succeed i think that is the main thing in fantasy football you put yourself in a position to succeed and then after that, you hope for the best, enjoy the games, and hopefully the dice rolls in your favor, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's about is giving yourself the most chances to win. And like you say, you you've made one playoff out of eight, but you were one in, championship. The, in the com- one, one championship, one championship out of eight. My bad. Uh, but you gave yourself eight chances to to win, and it's it's exactly the same. That is incredibly unlucky. Now that I mention that, like uh, you think about that, that's eight leagues. That's eight teams, and one of them. That's a horrible percentage. Yeah, that's um. That's you know, that'd be like to... one of Philip Rivers' kids going on to play in the NFL. Yeah, that that that's a pretty bad percentage. You have eleven kids. You better have one of them get in the NFL. <laughs> it could be a girl too. You like I, I still expect that girl to get to the play, NFL. Yeah, she could be the the first female kicker in the NFL. That'd be exciting. Knowing Philip Rivers, that'll be a one trash talking hell of a kid. I know, with a real weird action as well. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I definitely agree there. Alrighty. So, do we have any uh, mini segments that you'd like to uh, to get us going on? Yeah, well, let's kick off with some justifiable overreactions. Okay, you know I like that. And one. we're going to start with uh, John Madden is on the NFL's Mount Rushmore. Yes, that's that's not an overreaction. That's just justifiable. Yep. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, he he I, is the NFL. Sorry, I cut you off. No, go ahead. He, he's the NFL's highest winning percentage coach. Yep. So he, he he's on the Mount Rushmore on on whatever you would. If there's a category in the NFL for Mount Rushmore, he's on there. Um, yeah, that winning percentage in a time where he was coaching against some like all time coaches. And, and he had winning records against most of them. I think to his his broadcasting career, I think is just the soundtrack of the NFL for so many people. Uh, and then for you and I, for me, definitely, it's uh, it's the video game. Um, I wouldn't be here doing this with you if I didn't have Madden 2000. That's how I learned the game in a country where it wasn't on TV and I was having to follow it in the newspaper. So without that, you know, who's, who's to say what... Um, how I'd be spending my uh, my one o'clocks in the morning now, maybe um, trawling for hookers on street corners, who's to say? But my favourite bit of the video games is always, and the last time I think they did this was Madden 2001, was when he opened it up on the computer, it had a sound bite of him going, hey, this is my game. And it never happened in any of the others, but uh, I still always think about that whenever I, I put it on. Let's see, in 2001, I was seven years old. Yeah. I don't remember that. Sorry, that was before my time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I uh, I just cracked double figures. So nice job, nice job. So I mean, speaking of Madden, I mean, while that is a fun game, depending on how serious you take it, I know uh, I am a very competitive Madden player. I'm not like in the pro scene or anything like that, but I definitely play Madden a decent amount to understand the game. And uh, one, they can do a lot to fix it. You know, I, I don't want to turn into a, turn this into a Madden rant, but man, they need to fix some stuff in that game. But yeah, Mad- Madden's fun, and I think a lot of people grew up on Madden. If you know John Madden football, then you know football, and uh, it gives you the ability to look at statistics. And it's probably one of the big reasons why people are so into fantasy football is because you get to, of course, own the franchise, play franchise mode, the creative player mode, put them in your team, and have fun with that. Yeah, I mean... The, the franchise mode doesn't really do it for me. I know you're a big online ultimate team guy, which uh, mm-hmm. doesn't really do it for me either. I want a proper in-depth management franchise mode. That's kind of my level of nerdiness. But there's no way I would understand the game to the level I do now, which some of you might say is not at all. But um, we, without Madden playing the game and um, you know his input from that perspective uh, to make it as realistic as possible using his... Nous in the early years and 
you know, just the voice of it as well. As I say, the sound by that they used to be able to put stick them on your hands to catch those balls. Now they got those gloves. At every time, still mm-hmm. rings in my head. Yeah. Um, so I mean, in Ultimate Team, they actually gave everybody coaches cards for John yep. Madden that you can equip on your team, and you can put uh, have John Madden as your coach. And I know a lot of tryhards out there, whoever plays Madden and tryhards, you know, when you're facing bunch tight end all day long and uh, all those meta defenses that uh, are very incredibly frustrating. Uh, that is definitely probably going to be the one shining moment of that game. As of right now, I know the, I, I looked online and I try to stay away from like Madden Twitter or Madden yep. forums, especially on stuff like Reddit, because it is a lot of negativity on stuff that is wrong with the game. And to be fair, there is a lot of criticism that they are right on. They do need to fix stuff like defenses and the fact that, you know, there's only like three different offensive formations that are viable at a competitive level. But it is a fun game regardless. And, uh, you know, it's a little too bad that John Madden football has turned into something that people get hyped up just to be disappointed for every year. Yeah. And I think I remember us talking about it at the time, you saying basically like, I'm going to get it, but I'm not excited about it. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, I'm going to get ultimate team or get Madden to play ultimate team. And for a lot of people that don't know, I do create content for it on YouTube. Um, hashtag at Yiggity Yeet on YouTube if you want to check out that as I self-plug myself. You know, you know, actually, um, I made an ebook. That's how, oh, yeah. like, yeah, I made an ebook for offense. So a lot of people, you know, of course, the I know, I know I'm definitely diving in and rambling a little bit. But if you play Madden and you play online, you've ran into bunch tight end, regular bunch, trips, and that's probably the three main formations that you see in online. And so I was like, you know what? I have to create something that's not um, used by anybody, something completely unique. So I went to pistol and I went to spread. So pistol spread, that is my formation and everybody knows about it. Hey, I just got a new subscriber, Sheen. Sheen, currently subscribed to the channel. Thank you, congratulations. I highly appreciate it and congratulations. You know, I already know off the top of my head, you're a subscriber 420. Bang. What Bam. a what an auspicious occasion! There you um, go. You are the second channel that I'm subscribed to on YouTube. So thank you. There you, you go. The other I one. Highly appreciate. If we're plugging our own work, the other one is 32 bit, and you can find me over there at yeah, 32 bit you know, on Twitter. I'm gonna have to um, do that. I'm I'm interested in this this ebook. We're we're very much going off off track here, but uh, maybe I'll check that out too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty proud of that ebook. Like, I, that be. is my baby. Everybody knows, like, that they play against me, you're playing against my baby. And there's a couple streamers that I became friends with, and they, they always tell me, the last thing I ever want is to get in a game with you and have to play against that offense, because it is frustrating to deal with it, because it's so unique and nobody really ever sees it. So you, you don't know how to defend it. Like, when I play a game and I see somebody in bunch, I already know exactly what I have to do to stop it. But the problem is that formation is so good and overpowered, you could know how to stop it. You're still probably not going to stop it. It sounds a bit like the uh, the Bills against the Patriots the other week. They knew the mm-hmm. Pats were going to run the ball and you couldn't do anything. Yeah, and um, they still can't do anything. Yeah. Well, before, we'll leave the men. We'll leave the men chat. Um, but I'll, I'll leave you with a question here. Mm-hmm. And I saw on, on Twitter there was people posting what their their favorite Madden play was. Is whichever one you you run all the time. What is it for you? Uh, yeah, of course it's going to be in pistol spread, and it's a play. It's called Z under. Yeah. Z under. It is no. like, it is my most called play because you have the most flexibility to do adjustments on that play. And the uh, the route combinations that you can create are incredibly unique and difficult to stop. 
Yeah, for me, it's I don't know what it's called, but I know what it looks like. It's a uh, it's a bootleg play action with uh, two wide receivers running from one side of the field to the other. And, two crossers. Uh, uh, both running the same direction. Yeah, so they're running like you know crossing left, left or to right. Yeah, left to right. They're crossing. They're yep. they're not like actually physically I, crossing, but they're. That's both what I running. thought. I thought you meant like yeah, a, yeah. like a play action scissors. No, 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 no. No, they're cr- crossing just absolutely unbeatable for me on on defense. It's uh Jumbo need that. Oh, sorry, big nickel need that big nickel, and it's um the big nickel SS, over G. Nah, SS blitz. SS blitz. I already know. Which, yeah, because you call that, and then the safety kind of dips down, and he's on a blitz. Yeah, yeah, I already know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Big nickel. Yeah, the formation. I already know what you're talking about. It's big nickel over G. Yep. I uh, this is why I don't play online. But I tell you what, have I sent some average safeties to uh, the Hall of Fame with that formation? <laughs> well, looks like you have Jamal Adams on your hands, considering how well he uh, can rush the quarterback and how horrendous he is in pass coverage. So congratulations, Jamal Adams. Would like to know if you can trade for him. One hundred percent. Well, rest in peace. Coach Madden. The other mm-hmm. one tonight is Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson will be the starting quarterback for the Browns, Raiders, and Seahawks, but they'll all be starting on new teams. Wow. It's a little That's QB so carousel. I mean, that really is. No, 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 no. See, see R- Russell Wilson, I-, I still believe Aaron Rodgers will be a Raider. That one, I believe. I'm like, you can't convince me otherwise. Aaron Rodgers will be a Raider next year. I don't know about that. He's going to be somewhere. I think Carr in uh, in Seattle makes sense if they keep Pete Carroll. Okay. Uh, because Carr's not going to cause any trouble. He's going to hand the ball off to shit running backs, and he's going to throw those checkdowns that Pete Carroll wants to do. So that's not a that's not a worry for me. I think the Browns move on from Baker, and I think it's Rogers in Pittsburgh. Rogers in Pittsburgh. Yep. See, I wouldn't mind that either. Can they afford him? Don't know. Not our area. Leave that up to the uh, the number gurus. But I would think from one storied franchise to another. Although he could be like five. He might want to play against Green Bay twice a season. What team in that division? He's not going to go to the Lions. He might no. go to the Bears. He would not go to the Bears. There's no way he goes to the Bears. He hates the Bears. The Bears hate him. Like, he, If I'm a Bears fan and Aaron Rodgers win me a Super Bowl... I still don't like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> All right. In that case, what about the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins? I don't think they're married to him. No, he hasn't. Replace one unvaccinated weirdo with another. Yeah. Well, no, no. Immunized. <laughs> Say it right. It's immunized quarterback. There you go. Th- this, this quarterback offseason is going to be incredibly interesting and unique because there are no... I shouldn't say there are no, but there aren't any highly touted quarterbacks coming out of college like there was last year. And because mm. of that, people are going to be looking for quarterbacks that are already in the league and potentially priable. Um, like this year, like you mentioned, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, Baker, they're going to have heavy trade offers for them because they just don't have a backup plan that they can grab from the college, uh, the college league. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to have inflated value because there's just nobody better than him on the market right now uh, ben roethlisberger if he retires it's going to just add another hole Th- there's a lot of quarterbacks that are not married to their team but i don't think those teams have a choice whether or not they want to keep that player i think they'll be forced to yeah i think there's 
well, there's going to be some bad teams making bad decisions, and there's going to be some tight salary caps, I think. What would you say to uh, Russell Wilson in New York with the Giants? Giants? I wouldn't mind it. I think he would like that for his brand. Russell Wilson's a big, like, a, a real big weirdo. I heard him described today as uh, perfect fodder for Dancing with the Stars in the future, and I think he would love to be, like, Mr. Unlimited in the Big Apple. He wouldn't mind it. The, the problem is, is I don't think New York is what it once was when it comes to advertising. And no? the the image... Uh, how do I word it? I don't think specifically because you go to New York, you automatically unlock doors that previously were not unlocked before. That's fair, but they do get far more primetime games. You're in the NFC East. Because it's in an easy to easier division, I should say. Uh, I think Russell Wilson might be intrigued by it. I think, yes, because it is the Big Apple, New York, that he also would be intrigued by it. But that team lacks weapons on the offensive side. It still lacks an offensive line that is better than the Seattle Seahawks. You're not upgrading by going from the Seahawks to the Giants. No, absolutely uh, you're not. But then again, it's not our money to waste on him. Correct. I'm all for him leaving the division. So, Yeah, I can imagine. Question without <laughs> notice before we move on. Go ahead. Give me a surprise quarterback who will be on the move this offseason. A surprise quarterback. Hurts. I don't mind that. I don't mind I, that at all. I think, uh, like, Winston's easy is too easy. Uh, not Winston. Um, Tua, he's too easy of an answer. Watson's too easy of an answer. Other than that, I think every quarterback is pretty solidified or potentially already going to be on the move. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. There's no, I don't can't see any any real surprises. That I think. Um, w- would Wentz be a surprise? Wentz Tannehill? probably would. Wentz probably would be a surprise. Um, given they'll have given up a first rounder for him, I could. Well, Tannehill was the one that sort of jumped out to me that if the Titans decide they need to be more dynamic, they can't just rely on Derrick Henry, maybe they decide they want a quarterback who can do a bit more than Tannehill. I don't think there's a quarterback out there that does more than Tannehill. No, and I think he suits that um, suits them perfectly. Anyway, I'm sure we're going to dedicate an entire quarterback carousel episode in the offseason. I think we'll have a bit of fun with it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, enough to wet your whistle. Should we have a look at these not the top tens before we get into the meat of the episode here? Okay. He, uh, he says this is what I'm interested in. The episode. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested. So, I want to hear you. So last week, uh, uh-huh. regular listeners will remember, we picked our top 10 players of the, the week at running back and wide receiver. Uh, we didn't do great. In fact, uh, we each had two running backs in the top 10 and we had three wide receivers in the top 10. Now, mm-hmm. I have uh, created a, a, a point scoring system because I thought we'd probably do slightly better than this. We might need to split it a bit more evenly. That works out to you get one point for a player who finishes in the top 10 that you said would be in the top 10. Okay. Two points if it's sort of vaguely in the area, i.e. you said he'd be top five and he finished, you know, you said he'd be four and he finished three. Or okay. you said to be seven and he finished eight. You get two points right. for that. And if it was okay. dead on the money, you get five points. 
Hmm. I like the scoring system. So uh, we'll run through your. Uh, we'll run through the actual. It was Justin Jackson, Joe Mixon, Damien Harris, Rex Burkhead, Nick Chubb, Chase Edmonds, David Montgomery, Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, and Ezekiel Elliott with a ten on the week. Oh, your God. top ten were Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, for whom you scored two points because you said he finished fourth and he finished fifth. James Robinson, Cordaro Patterson, Jeff Wilson Jr., Rojo, Joe Mixon, scored one point because you said he'd be uh, ninth and he was second, and James Connor. Now, to be fair, this is going to go for both of us. Like, Dalvin Cook, COVID didn't play. Yep. Uh, James Connor, in my case, COVID didn't play. And it's probably going to be for the wide receivers as well. So, that's unfortunate. Uh, and of mine, it was Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, James Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Nick Gosh. Chubb, for which Ooh. I scored one point. Okay. Austin Eckler, Michael Carter, David Montgomery, for which I scored two points. Ooh, and James Connor to give us three points each for the running backs, which is so close you can't split it. Now, Alvin Kamara actually won me one of my leagues this weekend because How? I needed I needed him to score fewer than nine points on Monday night, and he did. Huh. That was so surprising. Oh, funny mini story. The one week that the one team that I did make playoff or make championship for, uh, I won with one point lead going into Monday night uh, with Dolphins defense left available for me. So uh, the commissioner actually messaged me in the league, which I don't think he should have done. He, he told me, he goes, if you just take out the defense, then you can't lose. Because, you know, I'm up by one. And say, say the Dolphins went negative, then, you know, obviously I would lose. And I told him, no, I don't want to win it that way. I'm going to keep starting that defense. And, I mean, obviously the Dolphins defense absolutely smashed. But uh, I thought it was interesting. And it's actually an interesting strategy that, you know, I never really thought of. Taking out your defense when you've already won to, to solidify it. I mean, it's a little cheeky. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's a strategy that I've never really previously thought of. This um, this exact scenario happened in one of our Sleeper Wire Pro-Am leagues, which I'm um, the league I was commissioner for. Uh, and a guy didn't start a wide receiver. He went, went in one short in case there were negative points uh, from his player on Monday night. There's nothing to legislate against it. It's, it's one of these things. It's like you play the game how you want to play it. And mm-hmm. if, if you want to win playing that way, then, you know, you're the one who knows how you sleep at night. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, if it's not legislated against, um, then fill your boots, I say. It is an interesting strategy. Funnily enough, um, this league we're, we're talking about for me, I won by 2.22 points. So very Ooh. close indeed. Uh, and my last minute tinker was to put in the Lions' defense, and they scored me seven points and got me home over the other other defenses I would have had to start. Wow, that's wild. Speaking of defenses, shout out to everybody that started the Chargers' defense. I'm sure that worked out phenomenally for you. Well, I did one of my other defenses. This is how this is how well I've been doing in this league. Two of my three defenses are the Lions and the Texans, um, and I still managed to win the league, but. Um, yeah, the Texans scored 13 points, but obviously not going to start them against the Chargers, are you? But, uh, no, no. Uh, you know, that game was wild. It's crazy. Um, 
But that's what makes football cool is any given Sunday, a team could show out and show up and just really kind of dominate a team that has no business being dominated in that fashion. Exactly. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, now to these top tens, Dalvin Cook did not play. I mean, a, a majority of our top, no, I shouldn't say majority, a couple of our top 10 did not I, even I, play. I can, I can run you through this. So you're to okay. 10. Taylor said would finish one, finish 23rd. Kamara finished 36th. Uh, Cook didn't play. Chubb said would finish 4th. Uh, 4th finished 5th. Finished James Robinson, James Robinson. Fifth, seven, 77th. Yeah, he didn't, Th- of course, got hurt. 31st for Cordarrell, 17th yeah. for Jeff Wilson, 12th for Rojo. Like, if you're starting Jeff Wilson, Rojo, I'd take those as wins um, based on our advice. Uh, Joe Mixon second and, and James Conner. And for me, we already ran through those top ones. Eckler didn't play, but you could say Justin Jackson was the the number one running back on the week there. So the, the logic's And Michael Carter, who I said would finish eighth, finished 16th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montgomery, who I said would finish ninth, finished seventh. Now, have you got anything to add before I move on to the wide receivers here? I'm looking at it. You know, it was a little unfortunate. Rojo got his touchdown stolen by Vaughn. On yeah. a, uh, his run, it's, Jeff Wilson it was the biggest surprise for me on how how the Niners decided to really stop running the ball that Thursday night. They yeah. Jeff, Jeff Wilson had one drive, 10 points it felt like, and then the whole rest of the game he ended up with 11 and a half. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. I mean, this weird shit just happens, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, as much as I think Kyle Shanahan is a phenomenal coach, his play calling can be a little suspect at times. Yeah, I think some of these offensive genius coaches sort of get in their own head a bit and mm-hmm. start thinking too many moves ahead and all of a sudden they're coaching against themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to heavily agree with you there, but let's move on to the wide receivers real fast. So the actual was, uh, the actual finish was T. Higgins, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, Debo Samuel, Byron Pringle, Amon Ra St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs. Isaiah McKenzie was the the big surprise there. Yes, but no at the same time. I think I think after Gabriel Davis went out with COVID, next man up over there would have been in the top 10 regardless. I started him in the league I owned him, and I was very pleased about it. Oh, yeah. Because I, mean, I thought that extra right? speed is going to gash the Patriots linebackers, which is essentially what happened. Although the Patriots sort of sat off and let... Um, Josh Allen pick him apart underneath all day, which is a weird tactic, but um, so be it, I suppose. Who am I to question the great Bill Belichick? Well, you know, that that is the the give-off when you're playing a too, too deep safety look is the inability or a, a more difficult time guarding the underneath routes. And they basically said, hey, you could have underneath. We're just not going to give you the deep shots. And, you know, once a quarterback disciplines himself, like, what's looking like what Patrick Mahomes is doing is disciplining himself and taking those underneath checkdowns and letting the receivers run after catch. Um, It'll eventually gash you to the point where you start creeping down. And then that's when you go over the top. Exactly. It's good, smart play calling. Uh, Now your top 10 Cooper cup. uh, You said first finished 12th. Devontae Adams. Really? Cooper cup finished 12th? Yeah, he finished 12th. He put up in like half point PPR, like 18, 19 fantasy points. Yeah, not good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. We, it was a big scoring week. Huh. Interesting. All right. Let's keep going. So, so Adams uh, said he'd finish second. He did finish second. Nice job, man. Um, AJ Brown uh, was third. You said 
oh, sorry, Debo Samuel said finish third, finish fifth. Amari Cooper said would finish fourth, finish ninth. So in there, we scored, or you scored five points for Devontae Adams, two points for Debo Samuel, one point for Amari Cooper. Cool, cool, cool. Brandon Cooks didn't play. Unfortunately. Uh, he, he would have had maybe like 30 points the way that game played, but he didn't oh, play. Oh, yeah. Uh, Keenan Allen, 64th. He was very disappointing. Yeah. Unlucky like, rubber ducky. Gabriel Davis didn't play. Uh, and Jamar Chase finished 13th, but that logic um, of putting him in our top 10, I think held, and we could we could claim a soft win because Higgins went off instead of Chase, but the logic was there. Mm-hmm. Right right now, in a league, I started, one of the leagues I lost, I started both Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase. That's how bad it was in my wide receiver standpoint. Um, I mean, it worked out. I still lost, but I mean, it wasn't the wrong decisions. True. Justin Jefferson, uh, we said we finished ninth, finished 16th. Again, I think we could call that a soft win. We thought Jalen Ramsey had, had shut him down and basically only volume stopped him from being shut down. Yeah, he was. The first three quarters, he was shut down. It was the garbage time. Not necessarily garbage time, but the end of the game stat padding that put Justin Jefferson over the top. Yep. And Deontay Johnson uh, finished 25th. So for me, we had an identical top four, which meant that I also got five points for Adams, two for Samuel, one for Cooper. DK Metcalf um, didn't do much against Chicago. No, he did not. Uh, Tyreek Hill, 85th. Mike Williams didn't play. And then Chase, 13th. Jefferson, 16th. And I had AB, who finished 18th. So if you keep your running score... Oh, I, I forgot about that. Uh, keeping running score here. Mm-hmm. We both scored a grand total of eight for wide receivers, three for running backs. Dead even. Whew. Dead even. Both ways. That's crazy. Now, now to be fair... AJ Brown. At the time we did the episode, AJ Brown was not cleared to play yet. Yeah, I and he went still off. Had him? Nah, probably not. Honestly. Um. Yeah, I think the only one, you know, no regrets. He says about to move into a segment about regrets. Hmm. <laughs> move on to regrets as we move on <laughs> as we're talking about regrets. All right. That's too many. That's too many uh, regrets for me. All right, so let's talk about some regrets, some coulda, shoulda, wouldas, stuff you think you could have done differently. For example, I'm looking at the draft process, and I'm looking at how could I have made my team stronger as I look at my teams now. And as I look my team, look at my teams now, the amount of the the running back to wide receiver ratio might be a little uneven for me. As I look back, I'm looking at one of my drafts right now. I went Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. That's three phenomenal running backs. But now you would think my wide receiving court is not that strong. And realistically, it wasn't that strong. AJ Brown, well, I mean, he is solid and phenomenal when he does play. He doesn't play that often. And he consistently finds himself on the injury report. So, I mean, if he's down, wide receiver one's down on an already weak core. My fifth pick DJ Moore. Again, he's up and down. He's not your wide receiver one. And he wasn't a wide receiver one most of the year. He was mostly, uh, you know, maybe six, seven catches, 75 yards. And, you know, maybe he puts up 10 fantasy points that day without a touchdown. I feel like he started like a German band, though. Mm -hmm. Like when Carolina were hot, um, I think he was like the wide receiver three through the first like four weeks of the season or something. Mm-hmm. He he was he started off hot, but at the same time, 
the Panthers had a weak schedule. And for some reason, Sam Darnold was playing very well. It just kind of fell off a cliff. And unfortunately, as your wide receiver two, and then if A.J. Brown goes out as your wide receiver one, that's not a strong wide receiver core. I don't think hey, well, it's not a, uh, a strong wide receiver core at all. Um, I was just going to say, DJ Moore on track to uh, break his record for receptions in a season might get a career high, probably won't get a career high for yards, needs 152 this week. That seems unlikely. Any touchdown will be a career high, and he had a career high in targets. The real issue has been he's had 17 drops in the last two years, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but also his yards per target came down from 10.1 to 7.2. So, you know, that's his metrics are still kind of there, but he just hasn't been as solid as he has been in previous seasons. But, yeah, he started the season, the first four weeks he was on fire, Um but since week five, he's only scored double figures five times in in half point PPR, which, as would be your wide receiver one, leaves you desiring for more out of your wide receiver position. So I mean, what I could have done, and then of course my wide receiver three, which was the sixth pick, was Deontay Johnson. He's been fine, definitely yep. not, nothing to scoff at. He's consistent. You. Yeah, he's consistent. Nothing, nothing to complain about. But you know, if you slide into the wide receiver two to wide receiver one slot, then you're le- leaving for more. And then after that, you know, like pick seven's Corey Davis, and that didn't pan out too well. And then of course you go to yeah, you go to like Devin Singletary, Emmanuel Sanders, Ty Johnson, and you know, you know, you know the late, the the flyers in the draft. You know, that's seeing hopefully they stick and hit and all that good stuff. Um, what I could have done, and the the problem is, is this what leaves you at a standstill? Is if I sacrifice Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, or what DeAndre Swift for a wide receiver, then I'm lacking a flex potentially. And those three running backs, they're they're top ten running backs. Like next year, they're all probably going to be going in the first round. I think they're they're pretty good picks. Like I'm not, I can't I can't bang you for any of them. Um. Like that's a solid foundation. It's just those kind of early round wide receivers who didn't get the job done. But I guess if we're talking about regrets, you need to look at the process that led you to those players. But again, I think you're talking about volume based and that makes sense. I think you just copped a shit year. Hmm. Players were injured, missing at the wrong time. Like Swift getting injured down the stretch. Eckler was a bit hot and cold at key times. Chubb missed a couple of games. But by and large, those players have been reliable when they've been out there. They have been reliable and they have been solid when they're out there and playing all together. The problem is, is that didn't happen too much this year. Maybe that's just an unlucky rubber ducky moment and I'm kind of just upset for no reason. But that's something you have to think about going into next year. Like, okay, are these injury prone guys? Are these guys that might miss weeks? Are these guys vaccinated? I think that's starting to become a, a very important question that you ask in your, vac- in your fantasy football team. Uh, and then... What are their bye weeks look like? Are they going to all have bye weeks at the same time? And, and that's something you have to start asking yourself. Would you rather have one horrible bye week or would you rather have it spread out throughout the week where you might have one player gone, two players gone, or something like that? The bye week stack is something you want to explore next year uh, and try and stack and have that kind of week from hell. If I can work out what that will be and maybe try and target a bunch of players to be out, because I would always rather have my better players often uh, better players available more often than try and cover a number of good players each week 
Mm -hmm. So what I did, especially in this league, they all, all these running backs, they had different bye weeks. And I thought, okay, if I separated the bye weeks, then I give myself the best chance to win. But what ended up realistically happening is every week I'm putting myself in a position of fail. It depends how you think about it. But, but I personally, the way I went about it afterwards is I might've been accidentally putting myself in a position of fail because every single week I had a weaker lineup because one of my RB ones was not playing. Yeah. And maybe it would have been better if I stacked the bye weeks, had a win really bad bye week and maybe took an L that week. Okay. That's an L week. You can move on. Or maybe you are able just to finesse that win for that week. And then you go on the next weeks with your star studded lineup, stack lineup, knowing you're not going to have too many bye weeks moving forward to deal with because if you if, if you think about it this way like if you're running backs and wide receivers and you spread them all out and you're consistently putting yourself at a disadvantage for five weeks straight that could be five l's that you're taking in a consecutive order that you can't recover from yeah that's a, it's an interesting way to think about it and I, I it's something i'm probably going to start thinking about and i'm probably going to start stacking my bye weeks to try to avoid that situation as much as possible in addition to that, I'd also say if we're looking at it, and I think this is something we can come back to in the offseason and, and look at a what's a bye week stack you want to target and who are those players to target? Because I think you want to be targeting early in the season buyers to stack before injuries hit. And I know players get injured at any time, but late in the season when you're in the kind of the double figure weeks, do you want do you want to stack your bye week and then you're already you've been missing players? or having to, to cover it somewhere else. I don't know if the logic works out there, um, but I think it does. Mm -hmm. Let's see, like type of stacks is, I'd probably want more majority of my running backs on a buy. If you can, of course, you know, if you realistically can't, or you're giving up value at a time you shouldn't, then maybe it's not a good idea. But if, if the stars align to the point where you're able to do something like that, then I think you should take that opportunity to go ahead and stack your bye weeks to try to, I mean, it, you lose one week, you lose one week. But if you put yourself in a position where you're potentially using five weeks because one of your important players are gone, then maybe you need to re-evaluate the way you're drafting. I think it's a good tiebreaker to have, but I'm not sure I'd make a decision based on it. Mm -hmm. So I, you're not going to say, okay, I'm going to pick Travis Etienne over... Uh, Austin Eckler, just because his bye week happens to line up with uh, two other players I have. But if you're looking at, say, um, two players of a similar value, let's say uh, next year, Damian Harrison, Chase Edmonds, for example, uh, players that might be going around the same mark, you go, well, okay, what? how do I minimize that risk? Uh, and maybe that's where it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Another way you could think about it is when I am picking running backs, especially in the second to the third round, ones that are kind of questionable, like for example, this year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Antonio Gibson, Swift and all that. I was sitting there looking, okay, uh, I, I, I value these players similarly talent-wise and ability-wise, but if you need a tiebreaker on who you're going after, you might want to look at bye week next and then look at division and team strength next. Like, okay, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire going to have the ability to put up fantasy points because the team's consistently winning? Or is he going to be putting up fantasy points because they're consistently losing and they got to pass the ball and he's going to get those receptions? Or, you know, vice versa for Antonio Gibson and everybody else, so on and so forth. 
looking at bye week is probably something that people and me personally is going to be looking at a lot more. Yep. Speaking of stacks, one of my regrets, uh, and it's sort of a, a half regret, half not, because overall I think the strategy worked, and the leagues where I've done this, I've made, I've made the playoffs and am in the championship game. Uh, and that is stacking Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. So I targeted two stacks this year. I thought I want to walk away with like, I, I want to maximize those points. You got to score big. This is for me, this is like uh, the equivalent of that high school slash college coach who just goes for it and fourth down. Um, and that is walking away from the first five rounds of the draft with either uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins or Aaron Rodgers and Devante Adams, or as I did in my home league, all four of those players. Mm-hmm. And I think buying in line just worked. Uh, Kyler and Hopkins have been low, so I sort of regret them being uh, a stack that I targeted. But I think the the logic was sound, and the other being Adams and and Rogers, and it's paid off. Paid off very handsomely. Stacks, I love stacking. You live by the stack, you die by the stack. But chances are you live by that stack because if you have an elite wide receiver one, and he's elite, and he's elite yep. for a reason because he has a quarterback that's feeding him elite numbers. That means that quarterback is posting elite numbers. So I I think stacking is one of the best things anybody could ever do. And I, I fully agree. If you can, and the best part is, is you, if you can stack an elite receiver with a mid-tier quarterback, like for example, it didn't necessarily work out as well this year because of injuries and situational concerns, but AJ Brown and Ryan Tannehill, phenomenal stack for somebody to target. This year for stacks, I went, well, I wanted to stack Robert Woods with Matthew Matthew Stafford, but like I mentioned, everybody kept taking Robert Woods before me, so I ended up settling for Cooper Cup. So I stacked <laughs> Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, and lo and behold, that worked out phenomenally for me. And you know, like I mentioned, it's a consistent playoff run. Man, shout out to Matthew Stafford for putting up six fantasy points this week. God, you know, that. You, you, Yes, yeah, so you asked me earlier, like, what really ruined it for you? That ruined it for me. That did not help at all. James Robinson going out, that did not help at all. CEH, that did not help at all. Oh, my God. It, it was. The, the problem is, is I can, man, I can mismanage COVID. I, not mismanage. I can maneuver around COVID and all that through depth chart and waivers and all that. Like, I have no issue with that. It's, it's the early game injuries that really, oh, man, they did a number on me this week. I saw, and I know how you do, you like a less than complex fantasy league. We might have talked about this already during the season, but I saw um, leagues talking about injury replacements. So if you have a player, say, go down in the seventh minute of a game, you can have an injury replacement come in and score points as of that point. So if you had, let's say you have a, a player... Takes a return to the house, takes the first kick of the game to the house. Next play, there's a fumble. Somehow they score on the next play, so they end up with two touchdowns. But they're an injury replacement player. You don't get their points until the seventh minute of the game. So those those two early scores don't matter. They're, they're only coming in at the point at which your other player was injured. A lot of admin, but I think... I, I don't know. I'm against sort of these kind of contrived mitigations. I think I, I see it more as a, a lack of the draw. And so the injuries are fact of life. Like COVID's annoying. Injuries are shit. But like, it is what it is. I could understand that. And if I, if a league wanted to do that and implement it, I wouldn't be too upset. But the issue is, is you have to announce what player you'd want to replace him beforehand. I think you have to do that. 
that way you can't just pick somebody that happened to go off on your bench and then all of a sudden win your week off of a technicality. Yeah, no, I think you'd have to have to nominate it. In um, Fantasy Australian rules, teams will have emergencies and that'll be three players that if a player in your team gets a zero or doesn't play, that one of those emergency players will come in. But you have to nominate them ahead of time as well. Mm-hmm. So the strategy is to, to go in one short and then you're guaranteed to have your high scoring emergency in the game. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's that's by the by. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, by the by yeah. there. For example, in a league of mine, one of the players he was going out of the out of the state, out of the country, I should say, in an area where he wasn't going to get reception going over the weekend. So he didn't know if his players were going to play because of COVID, because one of them was out. So what we allowed him to do was nominate a couple play, nominate a player to replace him if he did not uh, play because of COVID, and it ended up working out. Yeah, that player did get you know kicked out because of COVID not kicked out, but he didn't play because of COVID. And then that nominated player had to go in for him, which we allowed because, I mean, obviously he is an active player. So if he was available in the States to set his lineup, go on the internet, set his lineup, then he probably would have done it. So um, as long as you communicate to your league about stuff like that, usually usually average to fair leagues will allow stuff like that to happen. Yeah, I think so long as you're upfront about it. Um, Certainly in a couple of leagues I was in last year, uh, that was a deal with COVID as well. Is that if a you know you could nominate a player in advance if it looked like a game was going to be cancelled or uh, or postponed, mm-hmm. um, which I think happened once maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. There we go. So another thing I wanted to talk about. So hold on. A- any more stacking conversations that you'd like to go over? I think we'll come back to what stacks to target in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm, I think Burrow and Chase might be one that I, I look at early next mm-hmm. year. Usually, we, of course, like you mentioned, we'll talk about it more later on. Usually stacks, you want to target quarterback and wide receiver with high complete, not only high completion percentage numbers with each other, high, high targets. Mm-hmm. High targets and yard percentages. Like, for example, I think... Last shoot, year just, was um, Mahomes and Hill. I stacked yeah. in a lot of leagues and that oh, made God. off. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I think it was. Well, let's see. Thursday night, AJ Brown accounted for sixty nice sixty nine percent of that total offense. That's the type of stack you want to be looking for. Now, I know that's a one game sample size, but that shows you exactly what that stack is capable of and what stacks are capable of in general. Yeah, that's why um, the Rogers Adams one jumped out because Rogers just looks for him. Oh yeah, um, it doesn't matter where he is on the field. Double single coverage in the red zone. It's it just makes sense. And if they go somewhere else next year uh, together, I'll be uh, I'll Raiders. be doing that. Raiders, yeah, the Raiders. Well, um, I mean, it's Dev- Devonte Adams going to the Raiders because one, he's good friends with Derek Carr. So I mean, he can yeah. go there because he's friends with Derek Carr, or he can go there because Aaron Rodgers is there. One of the two is going to happen. Uh, that would be a real dog act to go to the Raiders because he's good friends with Derek Carr, and then he encourages his other good friend Aaron Rodgers to join him, and and then he's. You know, friendship two, friendship ended with Derek Carr. Now Aaron Rodgers is my new best friend. Two quarterback system. They can make it happen. I, trust I can it. see Al Davis uh, trying that out. You know what? And I have full faith that he'll succeed. I have no faith in his haircut and hairstyle abilities. But I have full <laughs> faith that he can make that happen. <laughs> well, I'm gonna um I'm gonna say in terms of not regret this is a reverse this is a reverse regret. And it's okay. a, it's a 
a bit of a it's more of a lesson learned and that is you can find startable running backs on the waiver wire if you are active enough to find them uh if you don't stretch yourself too thin which i did this year that was going to be one of mine and i've talked about this before i was in too many leagues this year and, and you're smart with your your fab you don't blow it all week one that you're um you're sort of cunning about it because this this is one of the leagues i there's a redraft in the first 10 rounds, I picked two running backs. And you know who those two running backs were? Let's hear it. J.K. Dobbins. Okay. Oh, that's rough. In the fourth round. Rojo in the ninth round. Uh, huh. Every other pick, I went uh, Lamar Jackson, Devante Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Dobbins, uh, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Brandon Ayuk, Odell Beckham. He uh, took Ro- Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> yeah, and then I then I won the whole thing. Uh, Rojo, <laughs> uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, James Connor in the eleventh. Not bad. So Not a bit lucky there. Uh, Naheem Hines, Logan Thomas, Tyrod Taylor, Zach Ertz, Jacoby Myers, Will Lutz, Jarrett Patterson, Taylor Heineke. But let me run you through who was like in the my roster at the end of the season, and this this mm. is the classic. You can't win your league at the draft, but you can lose it. You win your league on the waiver wire. Yes, yes. You, like, can, you can set yourself up to succeed very well throughout the draft, but you're, you're going to have to play the waiver. So my starting roster on the weekend was Aaron Rodgers, Devonta Freeman, uh, Justin Jackson, Brandon Ayuk, Devonta Adams, Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz, Braxton Berrios. Okay. Playing playing the matchups for the Brackler. And he, uh, he, he, was, he, he went absolutely off, didn't he? Well, this is a return yards league, and he took one to the house. Sheesh. Odell Beckham. Josh Johnson was my quarterback this week. Not bad. Uh, and Dustin Hopkins, and then a bench Lamar. Uh, I loaded up on quarterbacks. So Drew Locke, uh, Tyrod Taylor, James Conner, Naheem Hines, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Guyton, and uh, Tyler Johnson. But, you know, that just, it just goes to show the team that you draft is not the team you finish up with the best part of the season. That's what being a fantasy manager is about is, you know, getting it done throughout the year, making those moves you need to do. Maybe they're trades. Maybe it's playing the way wires. I'm not a big trade guy, but I enjoy finding gems on the waiver wires. And if you, you play the matchups and you, you get the best points out of them, there's no right or wrong way to go about roster construction, but you need to have conviction if you're going to do it. And, and that means if you got, if you are going to go zero RB, you need to go like kind of all in with it. That one, I will agree. Now, I think one of my regrets is I did not spend a lot of time on the waivers because I did draft RB so heavily to make sure that I don't have to use the waivers for running backs that I do regret a couple of times where I saw a running back there that said, okay, he might be a usable. He's, he's like a handcuff, for example. I saw a couple of handcuffs out there on the waiver wire and I decided and I kind of thought to myself okay even if he does get hurt the starter running back and he's sitting there on my bench am I going to put him in my starting lineup probably not so I decided to go say elsewhere with my roster spot whether that's picking up a defense for next week trying to find another wide receiver that has a better matchup a quarterback if is if I need a stream checking out my bye weeks for a specific player and all that stuff but 
when my starting running back, because I mean, if I, even if I draft heavily on the running back position, you know, they're going to get hurt. They're going to have bye weeks. They're going to have COVID like we saw. Then I really put myself in a position where I don't have startable running backs anymore. I might have a good defense. That's cool. But I don't, uh, like, uh, I didn't have too many startable running backs at that point. And if you look at the waiver, you know, they've all got picked up already. Mm. Particularly in standard leagues. It's easier Especially. obviously in half point PPR. Um, but no, it's, it's it's hard. And there's more of this is luck than design, um, for sure. Because, like, you pick up... A, a real-life example for me was going in on uh, Amir Abdullah rather than Truba Hubbard. And it's not really paid off in either direction, but I spent Fab on Abdullah and he's done nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I thought he was the guy to win. Uh-huh. So, spending Fab, and you mentioned not blowing off Fab... I ran into an issue of a couple of leagues where I didn't spend much of my fab. Like right now I'm looking at my leagues on Yahoo. But one of them, I still have $70 worth of fab. That's way too much. I mean, going into playoffs, you know, eventually you can kind of go all in on like either defenses that you want to match up for, specific handcuffs, specific running backs that got hurt. And then of course you want to pick up the backup. But uh, I ended up not doing that because I felt like my already starting roster was better than that player. So I ended up just not using any fab multiple times. So, I mean, like that league, $70 worth of fab. Another league, I have $65 worth of fab. And that's starting with 100 So I didn't spend that much fab throughout the year. And then another league, uh, $76 worth of fab. And then another one of $67 worth of fab. So, I mean, yes, you don't want to blow off your fab, but you should still spend it. Yep. And I am basically at zero balance for my fab in just about every league, which mm-hmm. is... The first time I've definitely done that before. Um, my family league is—I mean, we have far, but I think a lot of people won't really put in waiver claims. They'll either just do the who's available. They—they um, they won't put in it. But what that means is I know that league, and I know that I can drop a bit of extra fab to make sure I get my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to have that up the sleeve. Um, you know, particularly this time of year, even if it's not a guy you want, now, it's uh, picking up the backup to someone else's backup, picking up a quarterback. Mm. So um, your opponent has to start a, a running back or wide receiver in their super flex. Yeah. So, so uh, something like to piggyback on yours is not picking up handcuffs. I think that's something I should have done more often. You know, I, I, I got a little arrogant and I felt like it doesn't matter who I have as a handcuff, they're not going to enter my starting lineup because my starting lineups are just that good. And they were that good until they weren't, which injuries are going to happen. COVID's going to happen. And then like to piggyback on what I said earlier, like I just ended up not having anybody else to start anymore because I decided to not pick up the handcuffs, to not spend my fab, to not have to go and deal with the potential Adelie, the, the potential that the best that RB is going to be is an RB2. Yep. Yeah, but sometimes all you need is an RB2. Yeah, sometimes that's all you need. And I, and because I go so heavy RB in my drafts, I always kind of scoff at RB2s because I felt like, oh, I don't need them. I already have better. And then all of a sudden, I don't have better, and I do need them. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, if you learn a lesson out of it, maybe take one fewer RB, uh, get a nice early wide receiver or, or mm-hmm. tight end or whatever you're doing, and, and then go back to it. Mm-hmm. And not falling in love with players. I think that's a, a big way to really set yourself up for success. Like 
in my 10 leagues, I have AJ Brown in five of them. I have Austin Eckler in six of them. Uh, I have Cooper Cup in four of them. Robert I Woods think that's in half the two the fun of, of it, though, is pl- winning with the, your guys. It's winning with your guys, but at the same time, you need to differ- d- differentiate because if, you, if one of them goes off or one of them goes injured, I mean, if one of them goes off, then you probably won most of your weeks. If one of them gets injured, you lost a majority of your weeks. Yeah. And say one of them is disappointing, like Brandon Ayuk. Say he was disappointing and somebody went heavy on him, then your team is a significantly weaker than what you has had in, had in initially anticipated. <laughs> Good. Nice one. Yeah, I I see your point. Um, I think it's about finding maybe the right value for those guys. And it's not overdrafting your favorite players. It, it Maybe it means you're less or you're more flexible in the first eight rounds, but in those back half, like Brandon Cooks is on nearly all of my teams this year in redraft. Mm-hmm. Because we, that was a guy we talked about all off season as we want this guy. Yeah, which we did. Um, we wanted Brandon Cooks. Like, for example, like I wanted AJ Brown. So, I, I mean, I did get him, but I think I, I should have also differentiated a little bit sometimes moving away from AJ Brown. Yep, I ended up with um, quite a bit of Swift, which I was able to mitigate down the stretch, thankfully, because uh, I also had quite a bit of Sony Michelle, um, and their kind of injuries lined up. I had a lot of Eckler, uh, yeah, a lot of okay, Eckler too this we, year. We we talked, I mean, heavily about Eckler and Swift, and we are both very high on them. And if you look at our rosters, I'm sure our rosters are pretty similar. I think we've, I think they've proven to be the correct takes, though. We have been correct. I, we uh, we need to go back on our pre-draft episodes and we're doing mock drafts and we need to go back. That This needs to be an episode where we go back and we start talking about our takes a little bit and going, okay, we were right there. We were wrong there. What can we do better there? And how we can go on to, to, to really prove out, to really put out, sorry, the best type of content for the viewers to really listen to and actually follow and listen because i hope i hope everybody listening is following to this advice i mean i mean when you have an 80 percent success rate going to playoffs and then you have mr sheen over here winning championships left and right we're doing something right yeah yeah absolutely and it'd be interesting to go back and listen to the process as much because i I talked about this in uh when i was on with nick a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. is that it's not about just putting a team out it's about doing it mindfully and that's making sure you're doing the making those right decisions being comfortable with why you've selected a play i mean for you it all kind of went tits up this weekend but you know like uh, in one of my leagues i'm never going to start kj osborne uh over um keenan allen against the Texans. it's just not going to happen mm-hmm. and allen shot the bed and osborne had a good week i'm not going to sit there going i can't believe this dickhead went off on my bench because that's not a decision you can make. And like maybe you're frustrated. You go, oh, I can't believe I started one versus another when you're trying to weigh it up between those two players. But if you've thought through the process and gone, well, okay, they've got a better matchup. They're in better form. Their offensive line's good. Theirs is poor. And you actually come to that decision yourself. Then you at least go, well, I've worked through a process. It hasn't worked out. Where have I fallen down? Rather than just, ah, fantasy football shit. I picked the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And that's what you yeah. learn. You know, we'll, I'll watch fantasy, or I'll watch the games on Sunday with a couple of buddies. And one of them's kind of like that, where he, even though that player had no business being in a starting lineup over, oh, you know, over the starting player, you know, he, he had like DK Metcalf and then, um, 
I can't remember which backup wide receiver went off uh, on the team. And he's sitting there going, oh, man, I should have started him. I can't believe I did that. I would have won if I had, had done this. But, I mean, realistically, you are never going to put that person in your lineup for, for DK Metcalf. Now, while, while I definitely disagree with having DK Metcalf in your lineup, you were definitely not going to ever make that swap. Yeah, I mean, if that's your attitude, fuck off to best ball. Yeah. Well, that's like, actually and then you idea. don't have to make the decision because you go, uh, like... You, you don't even have to worry about it. Um, so for me, that's that's a big part of it, is actually engage with what you're doing. Um, don't just say, I know it's it's easier said than done. And certainly cutting down on the number of leagues you're in will, will help with that. Um, and certainly I joined too many this year, so... Yeah, I'm cutting down my leagues. The chop's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's one of the things I took away from this season. And it makes it more enjoyable because you're not hating yourself for decisions you'd never make. Exactly. Exactly. That one, I'm going to have to agree with you. One, one last one. I think I think we'll do one more each as we're, yep. we're nearing the hour or we're past the hour mark now. Uh, trades. You mentioned it earlier. You said you don't trade. I agree. Trading does nothing for anybody. Realistically, unless you're absolutely clapping the other person's cheeks on a trade... <laughs> chances are like it really doesn't help you much i i never recommend trading i think i think you should pull out put out feelers and try to see what people are interested in and see if you can kind of come up with a way to better your team but realistically trading just doesn't really help and nobody really does it so i advocate for trading in dynasty leagues um particularly if you can trade future assets to win now as I did this year, uh, and as Andy, a, my mate who was in a couple of my leagues, tried to do against me and didn't, which, funnily enough, uh, three years ago, he traded for Christian McCaffrey to beat me in the final, and this year he traded Christian McCaffrey away to try and beat me, and he didn't, so sucked in. Um, but if you're in a re- just a standard redraft league, there's, you're right, there's really no point training. If you're in something like the Scott Fishbowl or one of these... Uh, if you're in like a big money league or you are in um, one of these leagues where you sort of play as your, your, your 12-man league and then you go into a bigger pool towards the end of the season for playoffs, by all means, make trades in that, make two-for-ones and get yourself the best roster you can because your roster needs to stand up against the best rosters in that competition. But if it's just a 12-man league, like you can win the league playing off the uh, off the waiver wire. Like if there's someone you really advocate for selling higher, like let's say you with DJ Moore after four weeks or maybe me with Mike Williams in a redraft decided, all right, I'm going to sell up at this point uh, because this doesn't seem sustainable, um, then fair enough. But, I mean, you said it in one of our buy low, sell high episodes. You know what you can do with a good play? Put him in your lineup. Mm-hmm. And the problem the problem is is you you just mentioned DJ Moore and selling high on him, but I don't really think anybody was really considering selling high on DJ Moore, because you know he's had a high, good four weeks. The targets it's not like he was breaking big plays for touchdowns. He was getting the targets. He was getting the receptions. He was getting the yards. Christian McCaffrey just got hurt, and he had a big day. You know the previous week. It, Everything lined up for DJ Moore to be a wide receiver one, an elite wide receiver one, and th- it just didn't happen. There was a lot of breaking down. Maybe it was because Christian McCaffrey got hurt that that really kind of dogged down DJ Moore. 
But realistically, not many people I think out there were sitting there going, oh, DJ Moore is a buy high or a sell, uh, you know, sell high candidate or somebody I'd be willing to buy a high. You know, he, yep. he would just kind of, uh, you know, just enjoy the points that you're getting while you are. Yep. I'm with you. Kind of like Cordell Patterson. I think a lot of people were thinking, oh, sell high on Cordell Patterson. But realistically, I don't think he was worth selling or you can ever get that value out of him for selling to the point that you couldn't just put him in your either wide receiver or running back slot and kind of profit a little bit. Yeah, I'm, that's one I missed on this year. I Great debate week one. I said, here's your argument. It's called Errol Patterson. And I was entirely wrong about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I barely had any shares of Cordell Patterson. I think out of the 10 leagues, I maybe had two. I think only one one shares. I'd have to look back. And that's because, honestly, at the same time, I didn't really believe in Cordell Patterson and that sustained success as well. Uh, but I, I was wrong there. And then like, I was a huge advocate of somebody like Cordell Patterson. you got to keep on your team because his flexibility in your lineup is just unmatched and too uh, advantageous to, to really like a... I'm with you there. My last one is just... I drafted like a dog in my dynasty leagues this year. I went back and looked at some of those picks I made. I was missing a lot of mid-round picks, which is usually my kind of bread and butter. Jamar Chase can take me to a to, to, to a title, but I whiffed on Justin Fields. That, that, that was basically it. And I missed those mid-round guys, and those mid-round guys are the ones I wanted. Ended up with a lot of Des Fitzpatrick, Cornell Powell, Jarrett Patterson, Javian Hawkins, guys who just did nothing. But the lesson is obviously the more... You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Uh, and the more shots you do take, the luckier you're going to get, which is why I like getting the the fourth and fifth round picks and taking flyers on guys in the past. They've worked out to Austin Eckler, James Robinson, um, Tyreek Hill, these sorts of guys. So, you know, I'm going to go back and uh, and dig into that. But I think I just <laughs> I think I just made the wrong picks. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. My player evaluations were right. Our, our top seven picks through the mock draft process and our evaluation of those players in the top seven rounds, I think was pretty good, pretty spot on other than maybe Allen Robinson. I don't think there's two. You were never that high. I really liked Allen Robinson. Um, That's an L I'm willing to take all day. I went on the draft process and said, people should be taking Allen Robinson. And I mean, people that took Allen Robinson, had a weaker lineup for it. And I apologize to everybody out there that happened to do so. Um, but I do think, I, I do think in the drafting process and my drafts are my strongest suit in fantasy football. And then, you know, but that could be your biggest downfall is getting arrogant and not humbling yourself. Like I mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, I had a league where I had 10 waiver transactions throughout that whole league or throughout the whole year, I should say. And that were there were all just kicker and defenses because my draft was so strong that I felt like I never needed to dabble in the waiver wire. I was like, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, like oh my team's better. That player is never going to see my starting lineup. Why would I ever want to pick him up? I should might as well pick up a you know, backup defense for for the following weeks until until they're not better. And uh, I think humbling yourself and not talking trash. Actually, no, I highly recommend talking trash. You should you should definitely talk trash. I was worried you'd trash. been visited by three Christmas ghosts for a second. Uh-huh. There, humbling yourself, not talking trash, not taking as many running backs. It was it was a new man. 
no, no, no. You, you, you should humble yourself to the point where you are picking up backups. You are picking up waiver players. You are you are scouring the waivers. You're going, okay, who, what, what can I do in this situation here? What can I do in this situation there? This player goes down. Oh, I'll start him. This player has COVID. Oh, I'll start him. I do this. I tinker. And, you know, I didn't really do that because I felt like it doesn't matter because my lineup is still going to be better than my opponents. It doesn't matter. My lineup is still better than whatever's out there on the waivers. And I never really went there and dabbled in it because I felt like my drafting was so strong, which it is. Uh, you know, th that's something I will brag about. I think my drafting is incredibly strong. And because of that, I think it also led to my downfall. Potentially. Potentially. I think, you know, if you can take this kick in the balls, you get a win this weekend, so it's not a totally wasted season. And then you come back stronger for the run next year. I think that's a, a nice moment of growth from you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think as long as you're getting better, then you are consistently finding a way to put yourself in a better situation. And I think going over all the mistakes I've made is stuff everybody else could use to not make those mistakes to really put themselves in a better situation. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, I said this to Nick when he was on the show. It's a, uh, a wise man learns from his mistakes, but only an idiot doesn't learn from the mistakes of others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you know, as long as you're making new mistakes... You're doing all right. Exactly. That's life advice. That's you know. That's your wise words of wisdom right there. Just make new mistakes. Yeah, I like it. So, with that in mind, do we uh, do you want to kick us off for the two minute drill? Alrighty, there we go. Now to start off, Los Angeles Rams against the Baltimore Ravens. These are two teams. One of them is fighting for a playoff spot. Another one fighting for that number one seed. We saw the Cardinals take a fat L to the Colts Christmas Day. Now we're going to see the Rams and. My boy Cooper Cup, please take me to that one championship that I'm currently in. I want to see Cam Akers in because I know my opponent has Sony Michelle, and I'd really appreciate it if he took all those carries away from him. But moving on to the Atlanta Falcons, who are not eliminated from playoff contention, who I think have a realistic shot of making it against the Buffalo Bills. You know, the Buffalo Bills not looking as strong as I had previously hoped and anticipated with the disappointment of Stefan Diggs that he currently is. I want to see my boy Stevie, uh, sorry, Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> set off with have another big day. I want to see Gabriel Davis have a big day. Those are two wide receivers that I really want to see emerge and become top tier talents, especially for dynasty players. I think there is room for another wide receiver in that offense. And I would like to see one of them flourish. What, you know what? Somebody I don't want to see actually, I, you know, a, a quarterback that I really want to see get absolutely destroyed. Well, let's look at the Jacksonville Jaguars going against the new England Patriots. There is no combination in the NFL more iconic than Bell Belichick going against a rookie quarterback. And congratulations, Bell Belichick, you're going against young Trevor Lawrence, who is absolutely disappointing this year. Horrendous. I think I think uh, Minshew currently has a better touchdown to interception ratio. I think he has more touchdowns than Trevor Lawrence right now. I think Trevor Lawrence only has one touchdown this year. Would that be correct? Can I get a fact check on I that? Think one? It's, I think it's one in the past eight weeks, isn't it? One, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So, uh, Bell Belichick should absolutely destroy that. That'll be entertaining to watch. You might find that game on Pornhub later on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a question without notice for you, as I talk to the Miami defense against the Tennessee Titans, would you start the Dolphins defense? I wouldn't. Um, only because of how AJ Brown played last week. I think this whole Dolphins thing's been a mirage, and I think the wheels fall off this weekend. So let me answer your question with another question. 
Would you okay. rather start the Dolphins' defense or the Titans' defense? I'd rather start to talk uh, Dolphins' defense because the Titans' defense, they, they, they don't... Huh. I'm looking at the turnover ratio right now. The the Titans have 20 turn takeaways. The yep. Dolphins have 23. Yeah, they're and both in the minuses. They're both minus. So they, they've turned the ball over more than they've taken it away. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily matter for us if we're starting defenses. Like right now, if you look at the Dolphins' defenses, when they start off with, I think, 10 fantasy points throughout the game, like week 12 against Carolina, 25. The Giants, 10. I mean, granted, they've had phenomenal matchups. And then they had a bye week, and they went against the Jets. They put up 10. And then against New Orleans, they put up 25. So um, these are phenomenal matchups for the Dolphins that they've had over the previous weeks. But momentum is very strong. And the Tennessee Titans, other than A.J. Brown, do they really have anybody else that you're worried about? No, probably not. But um, other than Jalen Waddle, do the Dolphins? That's a, that's a good point. Gusecki is better than first girl, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, there's one we were totally wrong on. Anthony Ferks, he's done nothing. Yeah, 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 he did nothing. That was that was incredibly just. How do you run the most routes and still have the <laughs> least amount of fantasy points? Like, it turns out he sucks. It, it turns out. It turns out. That's crazy. You know, maybe there's a reason why he was tight in two, tight in three on that roster. I'm going to give you a bit of advice for okay. all those listening out there. Gamble responsibly, but bang the under in this game. This is going to be like 20 to 17. What's the under? Mm, I don't know. It doesn't say. Maybe, maybe 44 and a half. That's rude. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't. I will find it. Fun fact. The last time these two played against each other was in 2018. The game ended at Titans 20 and Dolphins 27. So maybe history will repeat itself and there's another low scoring game. So the Dolphins are, the Dolphins are plus three and a half. The line is 40, 40 and a half. I could see it, but I wouldn't do it. You want to, you saying bang the over? Yeah. That's not gambling advice, by the way. No, that's not, uh, that's not gambling advice. No, it's not bad, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do under. No. Anyway, that that's a good segment. Surely it's my turn. This has been a long two minutes. Well, you know, <laughs> relatable. <laughs> Got him. Right. The game I am looking forward to this week is the Raiders defeating the Colts. The Raiders, if they cannot get up for the dear departed John Madden this week, then hand back to the keys to Las Vegas and stop existing as a franchise. The Colts, I don't know if Wentz is going to play. I don't think he will. Uh, they are going to be feeding Jonathan Taylor, who disappointed, I would say, last week in the first week of the fantasy playoffs. So if you survived the Taylor apocalypse, um, watch the Raiders come for them this week. Uh, and I think it's just going to keep their faint sniff of hopes alive. Staying in the AFC, i really looking forward to Chiefs at Bengals. Bengals lit it up last week. Joe Burrow, the fourth highest uh, yardage total in a game has three career games with uh, 400 plus passing yards, which tied with Dan Marina for the most ever by a player through the first two seasons. I think this could be a real interesting game. I don't know if it's going to be a shootout uh, that we might see like a 35, 35, 
but I think we'll see the ball zipping up back and forth there. We'll see some long plays from from Chase and from Hill. It's going to be uh, pretty interesting stuff. And there's a couple of games for fans of flagellation. We've got the, the, the Bucks at Jets. Tom Brady owns the Jets. We know that. Uh, the Eagles-Washington won't be going in the time capsule. I'll tell you that right now. Debo Samuel, probably good for two touchdowns and 200 yards against the Texans. Uh, and then the Cardinals at Cowboys, which is two teams. They're locked into the NFC playoffs, but I think their stars are trending in different directions. It looks like the wheels have fallen off the Cardinals. The birds are cooked, if you will, while the Cowboys are seem to be coming right at the right time. I still don't think Dak's 100%. And with the last couple of seconds here, I think the Lions beat the Seahawks this week. Oh, you know, that's not a hot take anymore. That's hey, not a hot playing, take. They've been playing good ball. They have been. They've been playing motivated football. That's something you can't say about a lot of teams right now. No, especially the Seahawks who just look disinterested. Yeah, they look kind of bored out there. Um, I know, I know. For some odd reason... Russell Wilson's allergic to DK Metcalf. Probably sent him on a route, told him to come back halfway, <laughs> and then told him to keep going. But, uh, uh, man, like Lions are not are a scary team. Like I would not want to go against the Lions. Yeah, and Monroe St. Brown is really coming into his own. Uh, As of right now, yeah. Uh, over the last four weeks, Monroe St. Brown is wide receiver four. The only people ahead of him are Devonte Adams, Cooper Cup, and uh, and. Uh, um, Justin Jefferson, that's his name. Yeah, good. So, prognostications. Okay. Last week, I said that Mike Williams would double whatever Gabriel Davis did. Okay. Neither of them played, and double zero is zero. And on a technicality, I think this is the first time we've had a correct one all year. Okay. I'm listening. But that's it. So, that, that was basically me taking a victory lap for an unearned... Um, an unearned victory, but you know what? We'll take him. Have you got any? Have you got a bold prediction for us here? I'm trying to. I'm trying to like look and think of one that's entertaining at the same time. And that's also semi-realistic. Actually, none of these are realistic. Okay. Um, let's see. Jamar Chase has been wide receiver one. T. Higgins has been wide receiver one, but Tyler Boyd has never been wide receiver one. I'm gonna go Tyler Boyd. Has 200 receiving yards and a touchdown. I like your thinking. I was going somewhere similar. I might back I was going to say Odell Beckham will be the wide receiver one. Oh, no, I don't want that. I want Cup. Sorry. Um, but let's let's have a look here. I want something, something ballsy. While you're doing that, I'd like to pose a question. It uh, is championship week for most people. Would you start Trey Lance if Jimmy Garoppolo was not playing? I would not. I thought Lance looked shit when he was uh, under center. That was against the Cardinals. A much better defense. Against the Titans, I expect a little bit more. I think he won't have had enough prep. And it's not good news for Debo if Lance starts. It's not good news for Ayuk. It's not good news for Kittle. I'm interested. I mean, I started Josh Johnson last week, so... Running quarterbacks is are a cheat code. Yeah, especially if you own somebody like Matt Stafford last week and you happen to squeak by through or you had a disappointing quarterback or you were playing a backup quarterback like Josh Johnson and you happen to make it by. And obviously, they probably won't be able to start this week, so you're probably going to have to pivot somewhere else. 
you might start thinking, oh, maybe Trey Lance is a good option. So I'm going to say that this weekend we see Big Ben's last win as a quarterback and rookie classmate Philip Rivers suits up for the Colts. Oh, that's actually a good one. Philip Rivers coming out to play basically two games, maybe a game. Unless there's been breaking news that he's he's laughed it off. I'm not saying he's going to start, but I think he might be there. Playing. That's interesting. That's a hot take. I like that one. Yeah. And the Steelers to win. Okay. All right. Of course, that's going to have to wrap up this episode of The Sleeper Wire Show. Remember to follow The Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter and join the Patreon and make sure you support our local charity. So at patreon.com slash sleeperwire. And of course, on The Sleeper Wire Twitter, you can find our articles, any episode, whenever it gets released, whether that's ours, Dynasty Wire, or from any previous shows. Make sure to check that out to stay up to date on the probably the best sleeper account that you can follow. Absolutely. All righty. Anything else before we tell everybody to get the hell out of here? Happy New Year, everyone. Good luck this weekend. Exactly. Good luck, everybody.